Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in week five of our sermon series called After God's Own Heart. And as you guys know, what we're doing in this sermon series is walking through the incredible yet scandalous life of the great King David to see what this man has to teach us about how we're supposed to be living our own lives. Week one, we opened this story with the great prophet Samuel traveling to Bethlehem um, to choose this young, probably teenage boy to be the next great king of Israel. And we too, as we started to get into how David's life played out in the 15 to 20 years before he became king, we jumped into the amazing story of David and Goliath. And we all love that story. Where against all odds, David, this teenage boy, actually slays a giant. In week three, we discovered that because of David's victory over the giant, King Saul made David an enemy and in turn started chasing him all over southern Israel, even though David spares his life on two different occasions, which then finally got us to the place last week, where after King Saul and most of his sons were killed in battle, David finally becomes the king of all of Israel. Or David, after almost 20 years of all these ups and downs and in-betweens and wondering if God's promise was ever going to happen, he finally lives into the call which God gave him when he was just a boy. David is now the king. Which in turn is a call that David thrives in. I mean, David was created to do this very thing and he did it well. And that according to the Israelite tradition, David was considered to be the most successful king in Jewish history. Or to put it another way, David was considered to be the man. You guys know who the man is kind of deal? He was considered to be the man. And the reason for this is because first of all, David was able to bring these three divided, or excuse me, these 12 divided tribes together as one united people like never before which in turn gave them the ability to to rise up as a big army, as a big people. And then because they were on the same page and fighting on the same team, not only was Israel able to defend themselves, which they had trouble doing before, but they were also able to go out and conquer and then rule over their enemies. Or very simply put, what David did when he came to power is he put the Israelites on top. They're the top dogs now. Everyone else is bowing before them. But what really made David the most successful and beloved king in the history of the Jewish people is that not only did he put God at the center of all Jewish life by bringing the Ark of the Covenant or God's presence to the capital city of Jerusalem, but most importantly what David did was he actually brought peace and prosperity to a people who had known nothing but struggle and war. And for that, the people adored him. They loved him. They shouted his praises. And for that, the reign of King David throughout Jewish history is seen as the gold standard. That's how 
life is supposed to be. That's why they're always talking about King David from this point and beyond. Or again, what you get in the Jewish tradition is you don't get any bigger than King David. He's the guy you emulate. He's the guy that you want to be like. He's the one who shows us the way forward. But now that we have spent the last four and a half weeks examining some of the amazing thing David accomplishes, he uh, rose to power and then becomes this great king. It's now time to get into the darker side of King David's life. Or it's now time to get into a couple of those decisions that even a man after God's own heart got horribly wrong. And all because not only can we learn from David's success, which is what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, we can also learn from his failures. So you guys think you're ready for this? You're not ready for this story. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible story. 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 2 begins, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And David's son Amnon fell in love with her. Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin and it seemed impossible for Amnon to do anything to her. Which is a very sketchy opening to the story, don't you think? Or basically what we have going on here is that one of David's son, Amnon, he's actually the oldest son and heir to the throne. He's fallen in love or at least in love with his stunning half-sister Tamar. So much so that he's making himself sick because he can't figure out a way to be with her. Now, what you think would happen or what you hope would happen after the strange opening of this story is that Amnon would eventually grow out of his infatuation with his sister because things like that do happen, right? But usually people outgrow that. Then go out, fall in love, marry another beautiful woman and live happily ever after. Because after all, he's the king's son. He's got options. It's not like he's hurting for dates at this point. Ladies are lined up to meet this guy. But that's not what happens. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shemia. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? And Ammon said to him, or Ammon spilled his guts. He says, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. I love my sister. Imagine being there for that conversation. But then strangely, after learning about Amnon's forbidden love, Jonadab doesn't, you know, kind of laugh and tell him to move on or get over it, right? Because not only is being with your sister weird, it's also wrong. Hey, all right, this is a little weird. Let's kind of move on from that. He doesn't do that. But instead helps him come up with a plan on how to have her. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me something to eat and prepare the food in my sight so that I may see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight so that I may eat from her hand. So Tamar went to her brother's Amnon's house. He was lying down and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes and then took the pan and set it before him. But he refused to eat. Which is where things start to go horribly wrong. Amnon said, send out everyone from me. 
So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber so that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cake she had made and brought them into the chamber. By the way, chamber is another room for bedroom or another word for bedroom. And brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. Come lie with me, my sister. Or Amnon, because he couldn't control himself any longer, he makes his move. And of course, at that part, Tamar, realizing what's happening, begs him not to do it. She answered him, no, my brother, do not force yourself on me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do anything so vile. As for me, where will I carry the shame? As for you, You would be as one of the scoundrels in Israel. Now, therefore, I beg you, speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me. Or in desperation, Tamar pleads with Ammon, saying, If you do this horrible act, not only are you going to ruin my life, but you're going to ruin your own life. Let's take a step back. Let's take a breath. Let's go talk to dad. Let's see if we can't work this thing out so we can both live happily ever after, which makes complete and total sense, given that Amnon would eventually get what he wants. But he wouldn't listen to her. And being stronger than she, he forced her to lay with him. He forced her to lay with him. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse than that, And Amnon was seized with a very great loathing for her. Indeed, his loathing was even greater than the lust that he had felt for her. Amnon said to her, get out. She said to him, no, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Amnon gets what he wants and then kicks her to the curb. Now you would think that after something as horrible as this happening in David's household, that King David, being a man after God's own heart, would deal with this evil swiftly and sternly because that's the right thing to do. What happened here is pure evil. There needs to be some serious repercussions for what just happened. We all can agree on that, right? Well, this is what David does. When King David heard all these things, he became very angry. But... He would not punish his son Amnon because he loved him, for he was his firstborn. He would not punish his son Amnon. For David's horrible response to this evil is not punishing Amnon or even forcing them to get married, which would have been the, the, the thing that you do in the ancient world in this circumstance. But he, instead he responds like this. Silence. Silence and inaction. Which is clearly the wrong choice. 
Because not only does that allow this evil to go unpunished, and not only does this silence end up ruining a, a young woman's life, so much so that she never got married, Tamar never got married or even had any children, but it's also the case that as you keep reading, this silence eventually led to the death of Amnon by the hand of Tamar's brother Absalom taking revenge. And to a certain extent, you can't blame Absalom for his actions now, can you? Which is all something that could have been avoided if David would have done what was right in the first place. Speaking up and taking action. Speaking up and taking action. So, clearly, what it is that David has to teach us here about how not to live our lives is that we cannot be the kind of people who remain silent when something evil happens. We cannot be the kind of people who don't take action when others are being harmed, but instead have to be the kind of people that are brave enough to not only speak up, but to act. For example, it's not okay to work for a company that makes their money by lying to and taking advantage of their customers. That's not okay. It's not okay to witness any form of bullying or racism and remain silent. It's not okay to keep quiet and watch as people break the law, putting others at risk. It's not okay to remain silent if you witness sexual harassment. It's not okay to know about someone being abused and say nothing, to do nothing. And as this story makes very clear, it's not okay to remain silent after a rape. And all because what happens if we don't speak up and take action is that not only do the innocent go on to suffer and the guilty get away with it, but it's also the case that if we don't speak up, nothing changes. And if nothing changes, things continue on over and over and over again. Which means where there is evil and suffering and harm taking place in this world, there is no doubt that our God is calling us to be the kind of people who are always working for change. We're always working for the kind of change that causes God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said, right? Doesn't that raise up in you? All right, all right, it's time to go. All right, I'm going to start standing up. I'm going to start yelling. I'm going to start doing all of that stuff because that's what God wants us to do. But here's the thing. Even after saying that in, as Christians, we can't remain silent, and I believe that with all of my heart, what I'm also starting to discover in this divided country that we live in is that sometimes speaking out or standing up for what you believe in is actually more complicated than just yelling at those that you disagree with. And the reason I believe this is because of what I see going on on social media and on the evening news every single day. And that what we find is a whole bunch of people doing nothing but standing up and fighting for their causes, but still nothing changes. In fact, I would argue... That all that yelling is actually making things worse. It's driving us further and further apart. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You live it every single day. It's why you are mad after you look at a Facebook post. Or it's why you start typing back. 
or it's why you get in that argument. So what this shows me is that it seems to be the case that in some circumstances, what standing up and taking action may look like is not more yelling, is not more posting or degrading those people we disagree with. And let's be honest, we're really good at degrading those people we disagree with. Can I get an amen? We're really good at looking down our noses at people who think differently than we do. Calling them morons. Thinking that we're better, that we've got it all figured out. And they just need to follow what we're doing because we've got it all figured out. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? So, what I think we need to be doing instead of yelling and going back and forth and standing up and thinking we've got it all figured out while everyone else is stupid is to actually get to know those we disagree with. Is to actually have a conversation, a civil conversation, and listen to what other people have to say. Because what happens if we can actually have a conversation with someone? So maybe, just maybe, not only do we change their minds, but they might just change our minds. So let me ask you guys this. If you are a Republican, how many of you have a friend who is a Democrat that you can talk openly about politics? What? Okay, there's some. Good. If you are a Democrat, how many of you have a Republican that you can have open conversation with? Good. The truth is, I haven't found too many people who can actually do that. And it's not just, it's not just politics. It's just life in general these days. You have these hot button topics, and if you're on one side or if you're on the other side, then there's just this war that goes in between. So what I would like to propose as we move forward is, yes, we have to be the kind of people who stand up. We have to be the kind of people who take action. But maybe what that looks like in the world that we're living in is not more yelling and screaming, but instead is getting to know people who are different so we can have conversations. Because ultimately, what's most important or what it is that God is calling us to do is not to make more noise or not to gather all these followers, but instead is to make a difference is to actually cause change to happen. And if what we're doing is not causing change to happen, good change, then we're missing the point. We're just making it worse. What do you guys think? And if we're not going to do it, if we're not going to be the ones who are going to do it, who else is? This is what Christ is calling us to do. This is how we make a difference in our world right here and right now. Let us pray. Father, again, um, these stories, they blow us away. And this one especially. I mean, it's just horrible what goes on and what's allowed to happen. But we thank you that you allow us to see the reality that that happened even in the ancient world. We, We thank you that stories like this are in Scripture so that you can show us how not to live. And you show us that even the greatest among us make some horrible mistakes. So, Lord, this morning, help us to understand that we are called to be a people who stand up for what is right and good and just, but also help us to understand that if we are only making noise, then it really doesn't matter. So help us to find a new way forward. Help us to have conversations. Help us 
to learn to love those we disagree with. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.